Johnny, you and I are both Londoners. I'm a bit older than you, but we're of the similar generation. <laughs> Would you say that this city was central to who you are and the career that you've had? It's a strange one, especially because we're sitting here in Morley College. Yeah. You know, This was the place that arguably changed my life in many ways. I can say that about many different things. But with regards to, to me being an actor now, this is the place that facilitated that. And, and I live just around the corner from here. So I invariably attach what I do to being a Londoner. But then it's interesting. I've been thinking about this this morning because I, I guess kids in Rome feel like that. Yeah. And kids in Paris feel like that about where they're from. It's interesting that you pick big cities there. You pick yeah. Rome and Paris. Yeah. I think it probably is a, a city thing. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because big cities... I mean, they can have their problems. They can be dangerous. They can be all sorts of things. Yeah. But if you start to learn to read them, they show you that there are possibilities. That there are, you know, you see that actor you've seen off the telly walking yeah. down the street. You, it's it's not distant from I, you. I thought that earlier, actually, because I was thinking, well, what is it that makes you become what you want to become? The one thing London offered me, whether I knew it or not at the time, was exactly that. There, there were um, heroes within touching distance. Yeah. You know, I live in uh, around the corner from here, from this college. In uh, yeah, and if I, if we walked from here now, within within a 30-minute walk, I could take you past Charlie Chaplin's old house. I could take you past a club where Michael Caine learnt to act. Um, I could, you know, and, and, and the yeah. list goes on. Gary Oldman is just yeah. up the road, you know. There were, there were astonishing kind of actors, um, you know, where you thought, wow, they're from here. And funnily enough, I mean, maybe because we're in South London, but all the guys you picked are working class. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's interesting as well, I think. It took me a while to realise that. I remember saying to my mum, my, well, my mum said to me, Robert, what do, you, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, that classic yeah. question. I was probably about 14, 13, 14. And I said, I think I want to be a writer, mum. And she said to me, oh, but Robert, they have people who do that. Yeah, that was her exact yeah. response. So yeah. I think... It's, that may be true, everything you just said. Yeah. But there's also sometimes barriers to jump over, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, um, I mean, do you remember, do you remember, like, for example, your route into radio then? Yeah. Um, do you remember the the genesis of that? Do you, yeah, was I there could, a time when I you thought, you, that's I what I want to do? No, it's not. I never thought it's what I want to do, but I can tell you exactly what happened. I started out as a writer for the Face magazine and all of that. By the time yeah. I was 21, I was features editor of the Face, which is ridiculous. Yeah. It just happened. 21. Yeah. 21, yeah. 22. Yeah. Just about. And I got invited on to... Brian Hayes used to have a show on LBC. He was the morning presenter. I nicked Good Morning London. I'm Robert Elms off him. Although he said yeah. Good Morning London, I'm Brian Hayes. Anyway, so they kind of invited me on his show to be like the young... To tell them about young London. Right. It was like, he's our correspondent on silly socks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or stupid <laughs> trousers or haircuts or whatever it was. And I did that literally half a dozen times. And then they said to me, I must have done something right, because they said to me, Brian's got to take a day off next week. Do you fancy presenting the show? And I'm like, hold up. I've, I've only ever done like 10 minute slots. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, go on then. It can't be that hard, can it? So yeah. I did. And it literally went from there. Yeah. See, that's important, isn't it? And I, I know it's like, um, it, sadly, I guess it's becoming a bit of a cliche, but, you know, this idea of opportunity. And making sure that opportunity is there. It's kind of impossible to talk about this without talking about class, you know. Yeah. Although I know members from all different classes and they've all got their own yeah. journeys and problems and hurdles to overcome, whether they be internal uh, hurdles or, you know, m maybe not financial hurdles like it is for working classes. But, but we do need to... I, like that, the opportunity. I look back and sort of, you know, to want to be an actor from where I was from 
it did feel almost impossible. Now, it's proven not to be, and I have to look back at that and go, right, where were those opportunities for me? It's it's funny, because often you don't know they're there at the time. No. You make it... You like Completely. The first bit of writing I ever did, I'm at, I'm at, I was at the LSE, my mate's... Gary Kemp has just formed a band. I decide that I say I tell him you should call yourself Spandau Ballet. Yeah. The guy Steve Stranger becomes their manager. Says, "Will you write a review of our first gig?" So, sorry, but to backtrack, so you came up with a yeah, name Spandau Ballet. Did you? Ballet, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Was, I still can't explain why it's still stupid. But so Steve Dagger says to me, "Write a review of their first gig, and you'll become a famous writer, and we'll become a famous band." He actually said it like that. Walked me wow. to the enemy offices. I walked upstairs with a bit a handwritten review on a piece of paper that I'd written in his mum's council flat in Oban. Yeah. And I plonked it on the desk and I said, there's this whole scene going on and you don't know anything about it. And they printed it. Wow. And within six months, I'm at the face and they're on top of the pops. Yeah. Now, that's kind of not going to happen to everybody. That was a, a, It was just a moment and a time and a tide and I was very lucky. But what I would say was... Where I was luckiest is that I'd already had three years of going to Crackers, of going to the Blitz, of going to mm. Billy's, of a kind of education yeah. in, in street culture yeah. that wouldn't have come if I'd have lived in Swindon. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, I, do. It, it, I do. There's versions of it, like the acting equivalent, like the fringe theatres and yeah. stuff around here, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and like massively important to me, like massively. You know, I wrote my own film and, and it came out and... Um, the, the boxing club in the film is called the Union Street Boxing Club. Now, my boxing club, which is two minutes from here, was the Fitzroy Lodge. Um, but I called it the Union Street because that was one of the theatres that, that really gave me a leg up. And there's lots of little thank yous I wanted. I could thank half of London for some of the opportunities. But I've always thought that in many senses, boxing in particular, of all the sports, is the one that's most analogous to, say, acting or performing. Yeah. In that it's it's as much about your persona as it is about your, you know, speed of footwork or, or anything else. Yeah. You step in that ring mm. and you have to have a, a charisma or something yeah. that you take in the ring with you. Yeah. And I've always thought that acting is kind of the working class performance in many, many... Uh, boxing, sorry, is, yeah. is the working class performance in many, many senses. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I was rubbish. I was far too scared of being punched in the solar plexus. Yeah. I don't know where that is, but I don't want to get hit in it. But it seems to me that the ability to step in a ring is not that different to the ability to step on a stage. Yeah, and I guess I guess it's a canvas, isn't it? It, yeah, it certainly exactly. felt like that for me. It, it, it felt like... Um, and you're performing, aren't you? I remember the, my boxing thing was one of the first times... Actually, I can probably go back further to instances in primary school and stuff, but it was one of the first times I remember surprising people. Right. Because it was kind of my little secret for a long while. I don't know if you relate to this in some way, um, but... I, I kind of had my little, I found my little world when I walked in that boxing club and I kept it to myself. My mum for years didn't know I was doing really? it. Yeah. Kept it all to myself until I got quite good at it actually. And then I think I had like four fights before my mum knew I was boxing. And, um, but the point I'm making is, is I, I won the national title and I remember the kind of surprise in people. Oh, like this quiet kid who kind of keeps himself to himself on the estate. He's just won the national championships. And I remember feeling like this, uh, it was like a, a place for me to explode. All this stuff that I felt was kind of locked up inside, I was able to um, transmit. I was able to put it out there in the world in some way. And that happened with acting, I think. Did you ever on. get the opposite? Did you ever get mates from school or mates from the area where you grew up in kind of 
knocking you back because you wanted to do something a bit different. I had a bit of that, I yeah. must admit. Yeah. Because I, I, I grew up on a big council estate, but I went to the grammar school. So I was already considered a bit iffy anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was like he's gone off to the posh school. Yeah. And and then when you start doing stuff, and I was Larry, you know, I'm, I'm dressing like this and I'm looking cool and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, you know, if I walked in the, the my local booze at the Bullface Stag on a, on, a, on a Saturday afternoon, I would get coated off rotten. Yeah. Now I look, look back now, and actually I'm quite glad they did it because it sort of kept your feet on the ground a bit yeah but at times you if, if you'd have been a bit weaky you might have buckled under all yeah that. yeah i do relate to that and it was uh, not so much the boxing was so contained i mean that really was my but also own little boxing's world. a working class thing acting's different yeah, yeah. And, and and also uh, you know people are wary of you <laughs> wrongly because <laughs> you're, you're not, not it's not like you're gonna hit anyone but they, if they know you're the national champion they're not really gonna like, take liberties about it you know but i, I tell you what happened to me was i went to paris yeah. I fell in love and I gave the boxing up and I ran away to Paris. And I, my, I really, uh, for me, um, how much of it was just internal, I don't know, but it felt like I came alive. You know, I started out hanging out with kids who were in bands and And could you do that? And... Did you have to take yourself away to do that? Did you have to take yourself out of Woolworth? And, 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 and what's so interesting for me was hearing you talk earlier in your interview that you did earlier, and you was talking so much about you discovering London yeah. in the Crackers Club and things like that. I guess during those years for me, I was pretty much solo in that boxing club. Yeah. And it served me for a while because I felt safe in there, you know, and um, and that served me. Whereas it was Paris for me. Once I went over there and I stopped the boxing, that's when I started going out and kind of exploring all sorts of things. There was, you know, poets and stuff I was hanging out with. And... Isn't that interesting? Because yeah. I've had just this, like, Gary Kemp from Spandau, and I was yeah. saying, he's one of my best mates for many, many years. And we've had this conversation time and again that... There was this huge fear of being pretentious, particularly if you was yeah. a working class guy. He yeah. was out of the Essex Road in his little, you know, I'm out of Labrick Grove originally in the Watling Estate. And this fear that you might say something pretentious in the pub, you know, and yeah. everyone would turn on you. Well, and I'm give trying you a to imagine what it was like for you, New Romantics and stuff. <laughs> would that be right, New Romantics? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because when I was in Paris, so I was out there for two years and then I came home a new man, you know, and I remember I had these cowboy boots and a blazer that I thought, like, I think what I wanted it to be was a beautiful cashmere blazer, but it was like carpet, you know, but, <laughs> and, I, and I had a big quiff, I was into the Smiths at the time, and I, I just remember my family and friends looking, and that was when a few <laughs> of them honest, went to To be they me. had a point. I, 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 totally, I see that now, you know, but at the time, I came back wanting to introduce them all to this new world I'd found, and, and of course, they were getting on with their own stuff, you know, but. Um, so, and I had it kind of tough then. That was when I got a ribbing then, was like, hold on, what's going on here, Johnny? Whereas um, I, I can't even imagine what it was like for the new romantics. And but so I, I, what I would say about all of that was, though, to be honest, I'm not, I don't mean in some mean streets romanticised sense or any of that kind of stuff. But if you grew up here, if you went to the kind of, you know, school playgrounds that were pretty tough and all of that, yeah. you can keep your eating education. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, because yeah. that might give you, you know, a very good mastery of classics or something or whatever it is Boris Johnson can do in Latin. Mm. But the sort of education that we had on the streets of this city, you know, you're in South London, I'm in West London. I, I could speak Jamaican patois. I could walk in any West Indian kid's house and spot if they were playing, you know, what particular reggae record was on. Mm. I knew Jewish kind of customs because half of my mates were Jewish. Yeah. I could sing the Irish national anthem in Irish because you had to in the pubs on the Edgware Road at the end of the night. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of education mm. has served me phenomenally. Yeah. Because it does mean, I've, you know, from about the age of 18 onwards, I have not felt uncomfortable in any company. Mm. 
I went to, to the LSE and I was with posh people. I went to, you know, I can do, I, because London's got all of those. You meet them on the street. Yeah. That was part of what we grew up with. It, it, not, I'm not saying everyone's done that, but... No, that's an interesting point though, isn't it? Is is that what would stop people from doing that, I well, guess? I'll tell you what, I had some kids, this is one of the things I talk about in my book. I, mean, I don't want to get heavy here now, but mm. it's, I was thinking about the whole kind of knife crime thing and the, mm. you know, the the gang thing with young kids and particularly young black kids. Mm. Let's be honest about this. That's especially who it's, who it's hurting. And I had a, a bunch of kids on my radio show about four or five years ago and they were like 14 year olds from a school down in South London. They'd done something in their school and we brought them in to talk to us on the studio. And they were lovely and they were me when I was 14. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. were funny and sassy and all of that stuff. But I think three of the four of them said it was the first time they'd ever been into central London. Yeah, yeah. They had not... I, my mum used to give me a Red Rover and say, I'll see you at yeah, two. And we'd yeah. jump on a bus and yeah. we'd go over bridges and we'd go to the British Museum. And mm. These kids had never left their estate. Mm. And that, for me, was the, both the saddest thing and the most dangerous thing. Because if you have a little world, you feel closed in, yeah. you feel hemmed in, you feel scared. They had not... You could see the blinkers coming off their eyes. They yeah. walked into the BBC studios and there was people who looked like them. Yeah. And there was people who talked in the same accent as their mum and dad. And suddenly, this city was opening up to them. Mm. I think the scariest thing you can do is to be confined. Yeah. It's funny because I, in a kind of naive way, really, I've always sort of said that my manifesto, if I was running this place, was would be to everyone from the age of, say, uh, 16, I guess, when you leave school. I, I was younger, actually. But from 16 to sort of 21, I would make it that everyone could travel because yeah. it was the traveling that, that felt to me like it opened me up. But it's fascinating to hear someone had the same experience within London. Yeah. And maybe it's just about that opening communities up to each other it's making people see that the horizons are big and the yeah. possibilities are enormous were you aware because you know we're from different sides of the river and I, I this is a bit of a joke amongst us and we wind each other up did the did the river feel like a barrier to you did you go over it did you go yeah. to the other side yeah I, I think everything i kind of did pretty much like i say my boxing club was just yeah. around the corner um eventually my acting classes were i mean by by then i was um opened up but it, it was a big thing like i can vividly remember um going over to, um, it was the huge record shop on Piccadilly, um, Yellow and Red Sign. Um, it, I know, it's the I big know, one. Exactly you know, the one right you mean. Tower Records. Tower Records, yeah. 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 And they had, um, they had a DJ in there, and uh, like a DJ booth, and he'd play like, music. Or, and I heard the Velvet Underground for the wow. first time. What goes on? Wow. And it's the first time, I know it sounds like one of those romantic things, like, but it's true. It was such a moment. I remember going up to him, and it would have taken me a lot at the time, because I was quite sort of, yeah. you know, boxed in and uh, shy, I guess, you know, fearful in some ways. But I went up to him and said, who's this you're playing, mate? And he said, it's the Velvet Underground. What goes on? And then I went and bought it in the record shop. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, and it was a big moment. And I remember that, like, going over to the West End. We had a group of about five of us like three of us me Matthew Eamon uh, Terry and it was the same thing like you said a red bus rover you know where you could get on any buses of a day and to cross over Westminster Bridge you know and Big Ben and all of that and I knew where Big Ben was it's, it's, of course. it's 20 just minutes, the road. 20 yeah. minutes away from me you know but it was kind of a big thing as a kid you know to be allowed out you know your mum would let you you know it was a when you thing. first got into acting were you at all conscious that you weren't rather that you weren't yes Really? Yeah. And and it's funny because we're we're obviously sitting here in the Morley College radio yeah. studio and um and this is where I studied and and m my mum suggested Morley College to me 
How did she know? Well, because I, I came here, and that's a really good question, actually. I've not asked her that, you know, but we're from around here. This yeah. is our neighbourhood and yeah. stuff. But my mum left school very, very young, years ago, you know, went to a comp, obviously, around the corner or whatever. And So I don't know how she knew of Morley College. She must have just heard it, you know. The, yeah. the college advertises yeah. locally. and um, I don't know is the true answer. But all I know is, is I was a very angry young kid at that point. I was yeah. hard work. You had your honest. problems and your yeah, issues, I was, you? Yeah, exactly. I was boozing every, you know, and all of that, you know. But I was driven in some way, and I, I knew I wanted to do something. And I said to me mum in conversation I'm going to be an actor I want to be an actor and I, and I knew it at that point and um and she said bless her because I said I'll, I'll, I'm I'm going to apply to this place rather and stuff you know and and the, the point of it is and this is not said with a violin it was just a fact I think it was 50 quid then for an audition and I think someone it might be someone done their own work and said it's about 400 now but the equivalent back then was about 50 quid and it was just out of my yeah. I, I never had that money is the truth of it and your you family know? never had that money no 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 we want benefits and stuff so the point is this is that um, my mum in her wisdom bless her said oh Morley College up the road does acting classes you know and the truth of it was was at the time I was really kind of sniffy. I thought it was beneath me. I, I, you know, because I was reading countless uh, books at that point. I was reading all the biographies of O'Toole and Burton. I remember reading Burton's diaries and stuff and reading about Rada and reading. And I just, in my self-centered way, thought that's where I've got to go. And I'd already messed up one education, I think. And, and I kind of already definitely had an idea of the class system. And I was a young locksmith when, when I was, um, I left school at 13. So I got an apprenticeship at 13. You was going to open legally. And um, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for the first time. And, but do you know what it was, right? Was, was It was the first time really that it became, the class divide became evident to me. Right. Because I would go over, I worked for a company called Barry Brothers in Paddington and because of where they were situated and they were a really good company. So we had all the contracts for the palaces and all of the, you know, the elite houses, you know, the houses that you don't even know exist unless you've worked in them or whatever, you know, when you go into Knightsbridge and it's just a yeah. kind of a, a, a random looking front door and then you go in and it's a mansion and it's like wealth like you, yeah. you couldn't even presume exists, you know, and, um, and, and it is what it is. You know, I've got friends now who, who are from that kind of background. But the point is at that time, I remember walking into those places and it spun my head. Bearing in mind, I was still living on the estate at the time. So yeah. you'd go from that kind of wealth and opulence and, you know, back home to where everyone's seriously skint. It's it interesting. blew though. my mind. As much as I want a, a society which is much more equal and doesn't have those extremes of wealth and poverty, mm. I also do think it's very important that here in London, the model has always been that the rich and poor live next to each other. We don't have ghettos. We don't have... You know, like, like you go to America and there's the rich side of town and the poor side of town and they don't mix. Yeah. You grew up, my family were, were Labrick Grove, Portobello Road, yeah. had stalls on Portobello Road. Mm. You know, Notting Hill and Holland Park were rich even back then and they were 100 yards that way. Yeah. Great Grenfell Tower is where we lived, was 100 yards that way. Yeah. So, and same where I live. So you Cleaver saw Square, exactly. So you saw estate. you you saw both, yeah. and I never felt inferior to the rich ones. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, in fact, if anything, I thought, "Hold oh, no, up, we dress better than them." Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. my brother Reggie's a bit tastier than them. It's yeah, like, I know we'd win in a fight. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of like. But do you think has that has that shifted at all? And I don't know. I'm asking a genuine question. I'll tell you what I'm asking is what I'm thinking is is like that mobility. I guess is yeah. is the, the the sort yeah. of word that everyone uses. Is that mobility still available? And we can all point to one or two who make it up the ladder kind of thing. I think, but I think it might be tougher. Is that hope there for kids still? I hope so. Yeah, me too. Would be the answer. Yeah. Um, I think it might be tougher. 
And I think, you know, but if you go back before the 60s, it was almost non-existent. So before that generation of the Michael Caines and those working class guys coming through, acting would have been a profession yeah. almost exclusively yeah. of, of, the, of the wealthy and the yeah. posh. And I, I don't, this is not a tirade against the, the you know. No. At all. Because, you know, <laughs> I've got very good friends who were posh. Yeah, yeah me too. You know, it's, but... Yeah. I do. I think it it might be harder now. But equally, what I would say to you is, and it yeah, you're, it's easy to pick one or two. But the fact that you know every kid I know thinks Storms is the coolest guy in London. Yeah. Everyone I know, th- do you know what I mean? Yeah. That yep. those racial barriers of of to some degree, not not completely, certainly been broken down. Yeah. The barriers of 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 sexuality have been broken down. So I, d- I don't think it always goes backwards. No, it's I a think... lovely point that as well. That that um, I heard you say earlier in an interview was um, that this young generation may be kinder than I think they are. It's the first time I've ever heard that. Because you know the tabloid kinder. version is is that they're you know they're no. evil and they're all no. running around with knives and no. you know and and I've never heard anyone actually say that you know when it comes to uh, things. Like uh, gender, yeah, you know, just things that, like you say, even back in in my generation, disability, some of the know, uh, hatred, some of the stuff around. that we yeah. said, yeah. it would be completely unacceptable. Yeah. Now. yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Do you, if supposing, yeah, you know, this is not about kind of your career, but could you go and live in LA? Could you be who you are and do all of that? Um, I've n- I've never been, actually. It's really? funny. No, I've never been. And I- I've been blessed to, like, you know, to be able to go to America a few times, but I've always yeah. chosen New York. Yeah, me too. And it's interesting. I never it? got LA. No. I, I and and most people in my profession can't wait to get there, but there's just never been that. I'm not averse to it. I love travel. Yeah. I love travel and I love people. Yeah, you've I'm been lucky. to North London, have you? I've been to, yeah. <laughs> not often. As, <laughs> as, as little as I can. I met you, you know. in Mayfair. Get I can't, out of I'm it. still shocked that you're in South London. I'm still kind of trying to get <laughs> so me around I. that. We're all a bit bamboozled. Um, we'd have got the bunting out if we'd have known. No, I um, I, I'm one of the things I'm blessed with, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is a London thing or a city thing. I love people. Yeah, I love people, and I love travel, and I love life experiences. What I like as well, and, and I've just had a weekend in the country with my missus, who's who's increased. Although she's a city girl, she's from Manchester. She said, oh, I like the country. And I still don't know what you're meant to do. Yeah. I don't... I walk in the country to see what? Like sheep? Mud? What, what am I looking at? I don't get it. Because yeah. what you don't get is people. Yeah. Whereas if I stand on a corner here, I'm going to see people in all their glory, in all their failings, in all their... Yeah. And that's... Particularly, at, you know, at heart, I'm a writer. I'm a communicator. And, and that... It, it, I can't write about fields. You see, now, this is interesting then. To come back to the original question, right? Like did London influence? Yes, inevitably. No, and oh uh, yeah, exactly. And, and my and my point is, is what I never used to realise was that even the negative, yeah, was influencing me. Like so, even when I was angry about London, which I was often as yeah. a skint young kid growing up, I was angry about everything, you know. And I was full of self pity and all those things that you should be as a teenager. You know, you are blaming everyone else. You are looking for the way out. You are, um, you know. Sometimes I I wanted to put a bum under the estate I lived on. You know, and yet now I realise how much it nourished me, how much, how rich it was, genuinely. And I, again, I don't mean to romanticise. It's hard to say it without sounding like that, but it was true. I look back now, and sometimes I, I you know, I don't know if I ever would have written a film script if it wasn't for anger and some of the, all of those feelings. Well, I do think it's, and joy, and yeah. and, and I, you know, as much as I'm a. a, a an absolute proselytizer for London. Mm. I do think that it is probably the city in the world in which most of the world is here. Mm. There isn't, 
you know, we did a thing on my show once when the World Cup was on saying, well, if you wanted to watch, you know, Ghana, where would you go? What bar would you go to and eat Ghanaian food? And, and so that's there. And if you wanted to watch yeah. South Korea, well, you'd go down there. And, if, and yeah. there isn't there isn't a place in the world that you can't find here. Yeah. So if your job and both my job and your job entails understanding people being excited by people trying to get to the core of what motivates them and all of that. Yeah. If, if you can't do it here, you can't do it anywhere because they're all yeah. here. Yeah, it's a lovely point. Yeah. It's yeah. it, 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 that thing about this place riching you and, and nourishing you. Yeah, of course it does. It can also skint you. It can it can exhaust you. It can frustrate you. Mm. You know, it can do all of those sorts of things. Uh, but but it is that 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 old line about you know if you're tired of London, you're tired of life. Because what is it? It's an agglomeration of people and yeah. their desires. Yeah, people who want to make their lives better. Yeah. And, and the joy of that, because it's one thing like whenever you do sort of interviews or this is more of a conversation, so it's easier. But like often when you're doing interviews, they're led down that route of the negative. Yeah. Of like, what was the struggle? What was this? Is there a divide? Is there this? What we sometimes don't get to say is, is that, and I will say this from a working class point of view, but when you see people for want of a better word, crack it. You know, yeah. when people are really enjoying their lives, of all jobs and variations, yeah. the joy of that. I've got a friend of mine, Buck, he's the manager of Stormzy and that. You know, like yeah. well, he grew up on the estate around the corner from me. I know how hard he's worked in life to get where he's got to, you know, like really had to work, you know, like um, all of the, I could reel off a list of names of people where you go, God, they're doing it. You know, they're doing it. And, and you, like, that's a great feeling. That's a great feeling. Maybe we need to celebrate that more. Again, maybe the media thing, you know, is always an interesting thing. You know, like the, the media are kind of um, responsible, I think, for, for... I do. I think the media has a real power as to whether the nation feels celebratory or whether we feel miserable, really. There's well, a... when I first... 25 years ago, I've been presenting my radio show, and that was another example. When I... They... they Johnny Walker, who's, who's the radio presenter, yeah. used to do the show that I present. Yeah. And he was taking six weeks off. I won't tell you why. And they said to me, come in and sit in for six weeks while he has a little sabbatical. And 25 years later, I'm still there. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's how I ended up doing my job for all those years. And when I first started presenting the show, I said to them, the main thing I want to do is I want to celebrate this city. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not stupid. I'm, not aw I'm, a, I'm aware of its failings. I know of its issues. We'll reflect all of those things. But my role... I think on this show is to celebrate this city. I want to celebrate its creativity. I want to celebrate its humour. I want to celebrate its diversity. I want to celebrate all of those things. And at that stage, 25 years ago, they said, yeah, but people don't really like London. People want to leave London. Well, I've seen it turn around. Yeah. I've seen London described regularly as the greatest city on earth. And do you know why? It's because they're all here. Mm. Because this has been an open place. And, and if there is one lesson from the last 25 years of my life, it's that it, we've been enriched at every single turn yeah. by people coming here. Because people don't come here to fail. People yeah. don't come here to, to do nothing. Yeah. You come here, as you have always done, back to the 17th century, because you think the city's streets are paved with gold. Well, they ain't. Mm. But you can just maybe add a little luster yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're there. Lovely. All right. Uh, yeah. They had to get in quick there, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> that was a pleasure. Cheers, Johnny. <laughs>